Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm James Sharp and with me is my colleague Jordan Blackwell and hopefully we'll bring you all the very latest of what's going on in the world of Leicester City and the transfer window and their pre-season. There is a hell of a lot to get through, um, so let's just get it kicked off. Um, first of all, it's Damari Gray. We've had news today that Leicester City have rejected a £20 million bid for uh, Damari Gray from Bournemouth. Um, and uh, Gray's been in the news quite a lot recently in the sense that uh, he's, it's well documented that he's been frustrated with his lack of game time at Leicester City. Uh, he made 30 Premier League appearances last season, which only nine were starts. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation this summer already about teams being interested in him, whether it be Everton or Tottenham or even Borussia Dortmund. But then that's all been speculation. But now we have the knowledge that there's been a concrete bid for uh, Damari Gray. That's from Bournemouth, which we believe is around about £20 million. That bid came in and was immediately rejected by Leicester. Gray, despite all the speculation about his frustration, he is not for sale. Um, his representatives had conversations with the club uh, earlier this week or maybe at the weekend to talk about his future. Uh, Craig Shakespeare has said himself that he has spoken to Damari Gray and they've had conversations about his future and that, from his point of view, Gray is happy uh, at the club with Shakespeare saying that hopefully he will give him a little bit more game time. Um, Jordan... Over to you. Uh, you watched the the game at Burton at the weekend uh, on Tuesday when Gray came off the bench. He's frustrated about his game time, but can you see him? Can you see him getting the game time that he wants this season? Um, well, that that clearly is the the big issue. I don't think when when Gray says about uh, his lack of game time, I don't think it's a, um, a euphemism for anything else like wanting more money or anything like that. I genuinely think he that's it. That is his, his gripe. He does just want to play more often. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of it boils down to uh, what happens with Riyad Mahrez. I think at the, it was clear last season um, that whenever Mahrez or Albrighton were injured or you know needed to be rested, Gray was always the man who came in. Um, and I think that pecking order is the same as it stands with, with Mahrez, Albrighton, and then Gray. Um, but so I think that's that's what it's going to come down to. I think it will come down to whether. Mares leaves or not, um, although I think we're getting to a point now where if Gray can be a little bit more consistent in his, his substitute appearances, which you would expect he would be, um, given that he's, he's a little bit older now, um, I think we might see him maybe rotated with Albrighton a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about him a little bit in that game against Burton. Uh, came off the bench and Leicester immediately looked more dangerous than him on the ball. I mean, he did his traditional cutting off the left on his right and try and shoot from 30 yards, which went miles over the bar. But after that, every time he got the ball at his feet, he looked like he was going to make something happen. Definitely, yeah. And he Obviously, he came back um, for the game at MK Dons and he looked a bit off the pace, but obviously that was his first yeah. game back. He's had a, he had a few weeks extra rest because of the 
uh, under 21 euros. Um, but yeah, he certainly looked really good. He was really exciting, dribbled well with the ball. Um, his control was really good, set up lots of chances. Um, looks Leicester's uh, most creative player by far. Um, so yeah, there's. I mean, he's clearly very yeah. talented, and, and when he shows that, he, it's it's great. It's great to see. But um, it's just about him showing it a, a little more often. Is it then? Do you think it's the case that a lot of whether his, his starting potential kind of relates to whether Riyad Mahrez is still at the club come the start of the season or come the end of the transfer window? That yeah, that's definitely the the main issue. I think. Um, although there seems to have been maybe. A backward step in in Mar in the Mara situation, given that it looks like Roma are now not going to be able to afford him. Mm. Um, looks like they, Roma and and City won't meet on a price, um, he, and it would just be too expensive for the for the Italian club. So I think it will have to be another club that comes in for him. And given that Arsenal are the only ones that have been mentioned in any serious context, and yeah. they've not they've not put in a bid at all, um, then I think. There's, there's probably more chance at the minute that, that he would stay. Yeah, I mean, there's been some kind of speculative reports saying that Chelsea might be a little bit interested, but like you say, Arsenal is the only one other than Roma who have been um, the ones that have been linked with the most interest. As far as we know at the minute, there's a lot of kind of wild speculation about Mahrez's uh, future and him going to Roma and reports in Italy suggesting that he was going to have a medical and they have agreed a fee and none of this, none of this, as we understand it, is the case. Um, uh, Leicester have rejected two bids from Roma, the second one being about €35 million, Euros, which works out at about £32 million, pounds, not even there, which is way, way short of what Leicester uh, value Mars at, nearly £50 million. Pounds. Um, I, think, I think we're going to hear a lot more kind of speculation surrounding Mahrez because clearly, clearly you know, representatives want him to get that move that he wants so there's going to be a lot more wild stuff that we have to try and sift through um, between now and the end of the window. Shakespeare's talked about it as well uh, after the game at Burton and it very much is the case of as we were really. Um, he said that, uh, that Mahrez made it clear he wants to go to a, a top six club which hints at the fact that he would rather stay in the Premier League which we understand it's kind of the case. He likes it in England and he likes it in the Premier League and why wouldn't he? That's where that's where all the big books are. Um, which suggests that Arsenal would be the, the more likely candidates but then that comes down to whether they are going to sign Thomas Lamar from Monaco. Uh, if they can't get him and, and maybe if Alexis Sanchez does leave mm. then that opens up. Maybe Wenger will start to get a little bit more twitchy and start getting his checkbook out. But at the minute it, it, is, it is as we are. Um, so that's Riyadh. Move on now to um, possibly the longest protracted signing that I can possibly remember, which is Kelechi Inacho's imminent arrival at Leicester, which a fee was agreed between Leicester and Man City almost it's like over a month ago now. Um, and it's just been a case of waiting for that to get sorted. Uh, you may well have seen from the pictures on social media that his medical, he underwent his medical on Tuesday at Leicester. Uh, that's happened um, but uh, up until now it's been a waiting game for for him to sort out the legal tussle between his former agent his current agents who have a dispute over his image rights when that is all sorted Leicester 2 will get the go ahead for it to be signed and we hope we hope that it shouldn't be too long now before we see him holding a Leicester City scarf above his head which 
would be helpful because let's only have one preseason game left, and you would you would like you would like to think that Shakespeare would like to see him in action before the season starts. Yes, I think so. Um, I think it's always nice to to have a to see a player get a little bit of game time alongside new teammates before their their, their actual debut. Um, I think Inacho's fitness should be okay. I don't think that'll be a problem either. He, he was training with Manchester City in the. Um, the early parts of the window, but he didn't go with them uh, on their pre-season tour of the US. Um, so I don't think that will be too much of a problem, and I think that will be the priority for Shakespeare. Um, obviously, he doesn't have any say in the, in the legal issues, but he would he would like him in the squad uh, for Friday night's game. Um, it's a question we've kind of touched on before. Um, how do you? Once the actor arrives, how do you see him fitting into to Leicester's side? Do you see him playing as kind of a secondary striker in Leicester's four four one one, or up with Vardy in a in a three five two, or on the wing in a four three three or three four three? How how do you see that potentially happening? Um, I think Shakespeare will try to start with to start with. They'll he'll try. Um, Ian Acho as the the support striker in the the Okazaki yeah, role. Yeah, the role. Um, and see how he gets on there. He, he's, so he's more used to playing uh, as the number nine uh, on the mm. last line of defence and getting him behind. Um, but I think they'll, they'll probably give him a go and see how he plays from deep uh, because it's fairly clear that that's not Vardy's position and you're, you're wasting a lot of Vardy's attributes But if you were to play Vardy deeper. Um, well, we've seen that before, haven't we? Like, when, if he plays with Slomani, Slomani likes to get in the box and head balls, but yeah. he's always the one that has to kind of drop that. Yeah, and that's the issue, that it, something like that could happen again, where if Ian Aisho and Vardy were to play up front together, they would both like to be the players getting into the box. and Making neither, the same kind of runs. Yeah, and neither player wants to, to set the, the other up because they're both the out-and-out goal scorer. Yeah. So the only other option would then be um, playing some kind of... Three five two, um, and then playing the two of them up front, have them both lead the line, uh, and play someone in behind. Whether that be um, Mares, we've seen him play attacking midfield. Tony preseason, then uh, Shakespeare moved to to Mares playing in behind Okazaki and Vardy in the second half at Wolves, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's it's something we've seen him. It's a position we've seen him play uh, in senior games before as well. Um, but it always seemed that Mahrez is better when he's one on one against a fullback on the wing, uh, so he's a he's a possible candidate for there. We've we've mentioned previously about um, Santiago Bora, um, perhaps playing as like a, a target man role. Uh, and, you know he could perhaps play up there, flick balls onto Vardy and mm. Nacho, or bring it down and play it wide. Um, so th there's a couple of options there, or maybe even Okazaki in there. And, yeah. But then whether that's then too attacking, I don't know. Um, but there's certainly lots of Things to try. The only problem for Shakespeare is obviously he's got fewer um, games and, and fewer minutes to, to try these sorts of things out now. Yeah. Um, so in short, hopefully uh, we will get to see Ian Acho uh, soon. We've got a comment here from uh, Callum Draper. He says he'd like to see uh, Kelechi in behind Vardy and Musa, and that's a heck of a lot of pace in an attacking formation. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I think that's enough of um, Riyadh for now. Uh, of course, that is going to drag on to the end of the window, so we'll bring you all of that as soon as it, whatever happens and whatever breaks. Um, moving on now to another player who has been um, linked with move away, and well, more than linked actually, has been has been a target for for a team, and that's winger Tom Lawrence. Uh, Leicester have rejected a seven million pound bid 
for the former Manchester United uh, Canary graduate. Uh, Shakespeare said after the game on Tuesday when we spoke to him about Lawrence, he said that he would like to keep Tom Lawrence. He'd prefer him to be in his squad. But he did hint that he said that all players, or most players at least, do, do have a price. That price, which is decided above Shakespeare's head uh, by, play, by people uh, in the suits above him. Um, but he said the £7 million clearly wasn't enough. Now, from my point of view, Lawrence is now, he's 23 now, and it seems like he's had, he's had as many loan spells at Leicester as he has had first-team appearances. That's four in the three years since he's been here. It seems like it's at a time now where he's at that age where a decision needs to be made about his future, whether it does lie at Leicester or whether it does lie somewhere else, and that he kind of needs game time. Yes, and I think that's that's the big problem. Um, having having seen him play, and I actually think he's played pretty well over, over the course of pre-season. Yeah, so he did, especially MK Dons. Yes, yeah, he, at, 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 um, at, in Milton Keynes, he was probably Leicester's brightest spark, probably was the, the standout performer. Um, the problem he has is that he plays on the left, he's right-footed, mm. he likes to cut in. Uh, that's exactly the same as Damari Gray, who we already know has been promised more game time. And Greg uh, Morris. Yes, and he, we know that Gray is a couple of years younger. He's, he's probably got uh, a higher ceiling to his ability. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you could maybe argue, given Lawrence's loan spell at Ipswich, that he's actually shown more uh, mm. than, than Gray has over, over the last couple of seasons. But I think looking at them both in terms of ability, you would say that uh, Gray is the one that has the, the potential to go on and, and be a world beater. Um, but I, I understand why Shakespeare might want Lawrence in the squad because if you know if players aren't performing, he certainly is a good player. Um, but I also think you're right. I think he, the player himself, needs to make a decision, um, and whether he wants to be a first team player at somewhere like Derby, some uh, a team that's going to be chasing promotion in, in the mm. championship, or if he's happy to be a bit part player uh, at a club like Leicester. Yeah, except. It feels like his his loan spell at Ipswich, obviously, he, he did magnificently well and and scored like eleven goals and made eleven assists in his in his time there. And I know I've got a few Ipswich supporting friends who are saying that he would win games on his own, he would keep them in games on his own. But it feels like, say, with Harvey Barnes went on loan to a League One side, he's got a, a chance to go on loan to a, a Championship side to prove himself there. Lawrence has done that now. It feels like there's no other. There's nowhere for him to be loaned to again. It seems like it needs to yeah. be at Leicester. So I feel like if they do get an offer that's, it feels like if they get a, an offer that's obviously bigger than seven million pounds, but one that's big enough that he might well be on his way. How, how much do you? How much if you, if you were at Leicester? How much did you do you feel that he he was worth? Um, I think Leicester would probably value him at about ten million. Um, I think if that sort of bid came in, I think mm. they would probably say, well, that's a lot of money for what is essentially a fourth-choice winger at the minute. Um, and they might think, and also, with you say, with Barnes, who, who could come through and um, uh, is, is another prospect in that position, um, they probably think that money could be reinvested mm. elsewhere or, equally, they could buy mm. another young winger um, with maybe more potential. But I think... It is decision time for Lawrence. He's only got a year left on his contract, so I don't think a loan spell will cut it. Um, even if he went to say, uh, you know, a, a team that's just been promoted, uh, Brighton or Huddersfield, and went on loan there, um, 
that would that would probably be it for his Leicester City career because I don't think he'd go on, on loan and then come back and get a new contract. Mm. Um, so I think Leicester will either decide yes he's going to be part of the squad or they will wait for a, maybe Derby to up their bids a little bit if, if they're going to go mm. in for him or someone else uh, and then sell him. Yes. And another one who's been linked with the move away, uh, which is seems like it came out of nowhere really, um, in that the links with Danny Drinkwater to Chelsea and a reuni- uh, reuniting with uh, Golo Kante in that imperious central midfield that, that led Leicester to the title. Kante, of course, who was who turned up at Burton on Tuesday to watch his former teammates play in a pre-season friendly, which was lovely and it was nice to see him and no one really knows why he was there. But it was good to see his little smiling face and everyone was really sad and was having pictures with him at half-time. That was lovely. Anyway, enough of that. Don't drink water to Chelsea. What do we make, what do we make of those stories and those reports? Um, personally, I can't... I don't really know why... Chelsea would want drink water. Oh, so um, they've just sold Matic, haven't they? So that's yes, where... so they do have a, they do have a vacancy, if you like, in central midfield. Um, I think whoever they're looking at would potentially be a fourth choice central midfielder, given they've got Kante, they've got Bakayoko from Monaco, and they have Fabregas mm. as well. Uh, and if certainly if they were interested in drink water, um, and they did sign him, drink water would go to bottom of that pecking order yeah um and there's been lots of talk about Drinkwater maybe helping them out with um you know fulfilling homegrown quotas and things like yeah, that yeah. um but I, I to be honest i can't say i don't think although i think Drinkwater is very good and i know he gets a, a bit of stick sometimes i know he struggled in the second half of last season um he was carrying a bit of an injury though, wasn't yes he? yes he was and hopefully that's cleared up uh but i thought in the first half up till about November time, I thought he was Leicester's best player yeah, by far. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think he is a very good player, but I don't think he's Chelsea quality. No. Um, and we get comments on here from Callum who says he doesn't see it. Why sit on a bench when you can guarantee first team football with us? And I think that's pretty much it, really. Well, despite these reports, we understand and that Leicester do not want to sell him, have no reason to sell him. Drinkwater, of course, is happy here because he's essentially the main man in midfield. Um, although uh, I've seen a lot, some fans on social media talking about, and we did a poll. Um, you did a poll on our blog where we asked fans who they'd like to see start in central midfield, and a lot of them said they would like Ndidi and Vicente Abora instead of Drinkwater. So, is first team football guaranteed for Drinkwater? Um, I think if Drinkwater is. Uh, at his best and he's in top form then I think he was, he's the best central midfielder of the club and I yeah, think I really he would um, I think Shakespeare would, would see him as that uh, even when he's not in form I think Shakespeare probably sees him as his first choice um, but I can understand equally why fans would think would want to see a change mm-hmm. um, it didn't I th- it worked reasonably well with Drinkwater and Ndidi in there but given they've just signed Sevilla's captain who has a lot of pedigrees you would understand why fans would want him to see him replace one of them and Drinkwater seems the sensible option given that indeed he's got that sort of um, he's, he's the he's the defensive man he can do the tackles and interceptions to leave a board to the passing where that would usually be Drinkwater um, but I think in Shakespeare's mind I think it's Drinkwater and Ndidi as his, his first choice That's I would agree with that that kind of brings us on to um, the final wrapping up point really um, with the transfers, all the transfers pretty much um, gone over and, and, and got to the bottom of. 
Vicente Abori just come to the just come to the club and he's looked very composed on the ball when he's been in pre-season. Um, but like you say, by looking at him, he doesn't really look like the kind of he's not been signed for his mobility in midfield. Drinkwater and, and Didi, you would say, are both big, huge engines, up and down, up and down, up and yeah. down, doing lots of the hard work. Abori doesn't really look like he fits that mould. He looks like he's the kind of kind of cambiasso really in the put your foot on the ball and, and, and play it and be really composed about things. Um, looking at pre-season, looking at the questions we still need to learn before the first game of the uh, Arsenal, do we think that Abora would be more suited to a, to a three-man midfield in that sense? I, I would certainly think so. Um, I think that that's what he is used to playing in um, at, at Sevilla, um, play, normally playing at the base uh, of a three-man midfield. And I think because he's... He's used to sort of slower football. Um, is probably the best way of putting it. Mm. Uh, he's used to more possession-based and more possession-based style. Um, I think that would suit him better because I think if you are in a midfield too, uh, because there aren't many teams that play with with uh, a two-man midfield anymore. The two have to almost do the work of three uh, in terms of the running and as you've said, Ndidi and in drink water uh, and Kante yeah, before exactly. them had the energy to do that. Um, Ibora doesn't, um, but it would be a calming presence uh, in a three-man midfield. He would allow the other two central midfielders to push on a little bit more and, and help the forward players. Um, and he's clearly an intelligent player, which is yeah. what you need in that kind of position. If, if he's not mobile enough to get about, you need someone who knows where the ball's going to be, uh, who who knows where the danger is and can and can stop that at, at source and um, you know intercept the through balls and that kind of thing. Can be asked to ask you say. Yes, a little bit, yeah, and I think that that is, is can be asked probably a player Leicester have been trying to replace for some time. It, it, you could argue that Gokhan Inla was a yeah. potential replacement for Cambiasso. Pepe Mendy as yeah. well was he played in a similar position. You would say that he was best at the base of the midfield yeah. three. Um, obviously, he's he's injured now. It seems like he's probably going to. Um, Probably going to head back to France, um, so yeah, I think there's that would where Abora fits best unless Shakespeare tries him as a, a target man um, mm. and he does really well there and that seems to work with the system. But we've not seen him try that yet, so it's more than likely Shakespeare sees him as the man to firm up the midfield um, when when Leicester need to. Right, um, one preseason game left. Uh, Borussia Gladbach at King Power Stadium on Friday. Have you been concerned at all by Leicester's pre-season? I know Shakespeare will always tell you, and they will always say um, it's about pre it's about fitness. Pre-season about getting miles into the legs, about trying different combinations, about seeing what works. But at the minute, Leicester have struggled. Like they scraped past Luton, goal of straw against MK Dons, defeats at Wolves and Burton. Two questions, really. Are you concerned at all by by the preseason and how they've got on? And secondly, um, where do what needs to be learned and whether do we need to improve ahead of that first game at Arsenal? Um, the only thing, I've, the only bit I've been concerned about was the Wolves game. Um, I think with regards to Luton, they only won one, but they created loads of chances. MK Dons was a bit was a stalemate. There wasn't really many chances on either side, um, but you could argue Leicester shaded it, and that was the the second team if yes. you like the, the fringe player so that's not too much of a problem but the Wolves game that that was the first team um, it, was the, it was the side 
that's expected to start the season. Um, and they created one chance through Vardy mm. and they got cleared off the line. But other than that, all the chances fell to Wolves and it, the, the scoreline should have been, there should have been a bigger margin. Uh, so that was that was slightly worrying. It, the Burton, I thought le- the second half was probably Leicester's best half of pre-season yeah. so far, the, with the amount of cra- chances they created and, and how dominant they were. Yeah, Shakespeare said that he spoke to one of his analysts, and the analyst said that they'd created like twenty-five clear-cut opportunities, which is a hell of a lot. Yeah, I think that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but uh, from, by my definition of clear-cut, but um, but certainly there was a lot, and Stephen Bywater made uh, a lot of very good saves. Um, so that that was fairly promising in terms of what we need to to see um, on Friday. Um, I think uh, Shakespeare was saying this. You could hear him barking orders at his team on Tuesday. He wanted to see a bit more urgency, and he wanted Leicester to be a bit quicker, maybe be a bit more confident in their own ability to try and uh, create things. Um, but really, what we're looking out for tomorrow, I would say, is is the lineup and the system. I think that. More than any case, um, more than any game so far this preseason, that will be an indication of the side. Do you think he'll pick? He said he, he said that he knows his, he thinks he knows his best team. Do you think Friday we will see the team that he thinks should start yes. at Arsenal? I think it is given that it's exactly a week before. Um, I think it's the the perfect game, and given how good Munich and Gladbach are, they are a very good team. Uh, you would say they are, you know, that they're a top six team in Germany. So you would say that. They're probably, in terms of ability, similar to Leicester. So it's a really good test. I think Shakespeare will think this is the game to try my first team and give them a proper um, sort of rehearsal for the Arsenal game. I would agree. And on that note, uh, it's probably time to uh, wrap up this latest edition of Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. We'll be back next week where hopefully we'll have answered those questions about Leicester's best team ahead of the Arsenal game and hopefully the outlook will be a little bit more rosy um, heading into the opening game of the Premier League season. We'll bring you any updates on all the transfer news on our website and also on our Facebook and Twitter channels at Mercury LCFC. And we'll be back to bring you uh, all the latest. So thank you and we shall see you next week.